Hey guys, welcome to MarTech Masters. I'm Gabriel Margoglio, CEO of Nexony Marketing and your host. Please remember to subscribe to get updates on our latest episodes. In this episode, we sat down with our new friend, Corel Cooper, the Chief Marketing Officer at Live Intent. Corel shared his thoughts on his Minority Report podcast, which focuses on highlighting people of color, women, and LGBTQ plus community within business, media, and tech. The differences in preparing live virtual events versus a produced video series and the benefits of each, Corel's journey on how he became the CMO of Live Intent, and lastly, his passions in life and his excellent show recommendations. Sit back and relax as you listen to this week's episode of Martech Masters. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Martech Masters. I'm here today with Corel Cooper. He is the CMO at Live Intent, and he's also the founder and host at the Minority Report podcast. We are very excited to have you here, Corel. How are you doing? I'm doing great, great, Gabriel. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to this conversation. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Glad you're here today. So, Carl, talk a little bit about, you know, who you are. Why don't you do an introduction of what you're doing at Live Intent? Maybe tell us a little bit about it, Live Intent, but also tell us a little bit about your podcast, uh, the, uh, you know, Minority Report, and why did you start that podcast? Let's talk a little bit about where, where you are today. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, like you said, I'm currently the Chief Marketing Officer at Live Intent. Uh, for those out there who are not familiar with Live Intent, uh, we are a marketing technology company. We have a, a platform that is powered uh, by the email address, and we help our customers, which are publishers and brands, with a, with a suite of monetization and advertising uh, solutions that help them acquire, retain, and monetize their audience, all within uh, email newsletters. The company is about uh, 12 years old. Uh, like I said, we work with over 2,500 publishers and brands uh, to provide them uh, uh, services and solutions. Uh, as far as my role goes at Live Intent, uh, I'm the head of the marketing team as, as CMO, and, and really my, my main goal and job is to uh, make sure that our marketing strategy uh, connects with and is in support of our, our business uh, mission and, and, and goals. And, and I've been in this position, I've been CMO since the beginning of the year, but I've been leading the marketing team for, for close to, to three years now. Uh, in terms of Minority Report podcast, it's a podcast that is also about three years old now, uh, started by uh, my buddy and I, uh, his name is Eric Rickaden. And essentially, it's a podcast where we highlight people of color, women, LGBTQ plus community, and, and other underrepresented groups, all within business, media, and technology. Um, we, it's a weekly podcast at this point, uh, and really the conversations are really about getting to know the individual. So we talk about, a lot about their family background, their culture, their beliefs, their upbringing, what got them into the industry and the job that they're into today, their thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, career advice. Uh, we talk about their career journey and, and, and a lot more. So it's it's part business, but also part uh, personal as well, too. That's awesome. And, and we always love talking about what makes you, you know, take and what what is your passion. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about that side of your life. It's what makes you passionate? What what are you passionate about? It looks like, again, diversity and inclusion is one of your passions, but anything else you want to share in your personal life? Yeah, sure. I mean, first and foremost, my family, right? So uh, married for 18 years, uh, have uh, two kids as well, too, two girls, a 12-year-old girl and a soon-to-be uh, four-year-old girl as well. And so 
uh, super passionate about uh, my family and, and, and setting a, a great example uh, for my kids. So that, that is first and foremost. Uh, secondly, uh, my career and, and being a marketer, although I've been in uh, the ad tech and martech space now for, for over 20 years, uh, I've really only been in the marketing side of our space for the last four years. So uh, the first 14 years of my career I spent at publishers, most notably a, a local news publisher called Advanced Digital, where I led uh, the ad operations team and a lot of our platform partnerships. And then I moved to Live Intent in 2014. And my first couple of years at Live Intent, I actually led the account management, which is now our customer success team as well, too. And so I've had an interesting, uh, I guess you could say, non-traditional uh, path uh, to uh, the CMO uh, position as well, too. And so uh, I, I am certainly a, a student of marketing, but I, I think regardless of whether you have 30 years of experience in marketing or four years of experience in marketing, you should always be a student. You should always be looking to learn. Uh, but I'm super passionate about being a marketing leader as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, tell us a little bit more, a little bit more about Live Intent and what you guys do. I know you've been, you know, you you just got named one of the Business Insiders top ad tech companies, you know, in multiple situations. So so tell us a little bit more about that. What Live Intent does, uh, so people know more about the tool. Yeah, sure. So. Um, First, I would say uh, very honored and thankful to be named by Business Insider, uh, one of the hottest ad tech companies two years in a row. I think that that speaks to um, the people that we have at Live Intent. I think that speaks to how we work with our customers and provide uh, real solutions for them to solve everyday business challenges and to help them grow uh, uh, their business as well, too. And I also think that speaks to some of the innovation on the product side that we have uh, going on at, at Live Intent, and so, like I was saying before, you know, we are uh, we are 12 years old as a, as a company. We really started out as a way of solving dynamic ad delivery and email newsletters for publishers, right? So before we existed, the way publishers would deliver ads within their email newsletters would be either to hard code them in, um, or you know, set them up, uh, sell them as like share of voice or or sponsorships. And, and maybe track based on send volume, right? Our technology allowed uh, publishers to be much more flexible in terms of the way they monetize their email inventory by using our platform and dynamically delivering campaigns based on impressions and not based on sends, but actually based on opens. And when you base uh, you know, a campaign on opens, especially in, in the inbox, your performance is going to be much better for those campaigns because you're actually have you're actually targeting a user that's actually engaged in their email newsletters, reading the content, and actually seeing the ads. And so that's how our, our company started out 12 years ago. What we've evolved into now is where we work with over 2,500 publishers and brands again to help them uh, monetize, retain, and acquire audience uh, within within the within the inbox and. Uh, as the world is is shifting here from a digital media perspective, and you know, I'm talking about the death of the third party cookie and publishers and brands really needing to hone in and nail down their first party data strategy. We sit in a really good position to help our customers 
bridge that gap from a third party world to a first party world. Because if you think about it, this is what we've been doing for the last 12 years, right? You know, the, the email address of subscriber to your newsletters, that's first party data information that publishers and brands have, right? We operate in the inbox. And if you think about what the browsers are doing today in terms of removing third party cookies, making sure that uh, users consent to, you know, advertising, which is super important. That's an environment that we've worked in for the, for the very beginning of our, our life. That, that is the inbox, right? Uh, consent, um, privacy safe, think of can spam, and also again, first party data. And so we are now you know, continuing to do what we do within email, but also again, helping our publishers and brands bridge that gap from a third party world to a first party world, and then thrive in that in the future. That's awesome. We, uh, we always talk about how important it is to own your audience. We don't actually, you don't ever actually own anything. People are yeah. either engaging or not, but if you have their email address and if you have their consent and if you're doing it right and if you have yes. good domain authority because you've been doing it right for a long time, then that is that is what you're trying to get to. What you're trying to get yeah. is to have an audience that wants to get your emails, that engages with your emails, that opens them, that clicks on them, Um, and that is a very powerful way to push your message and to educate and to entertain people, uh, creating those audiences is going to be critical. It's been critical for years, but it's going to be even more right. critical now that ads are becoming harder, that there's so much misinformation out there and ads are being shown in all kinds of crazy websites. There's so, there's not so much control over ads anymore. So we see the use of email and the grow of email Over time, I remember those blog entries that would say that email is dead and email marketing is dead and it, email marketing will continue no to grow uh, yeah. more and more over the years. I like that you guys are talking about that. Yeah. Anything to and, add and, and, about you know, the email so side I, of things? Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, to your point about um, uh, controlling sort of the data or, or, or the users, you're right. There's no control there. Users can decide whether they want to opt in or opt out. And, and I love to say that, Um, that, that um, uh, when a user provides their email address to a brand or a publisher, the user is doing that and they are expecting to get something in return yep. of value, whether it's content, product, whatever it may be. And to me, that is the best sort of digital handshake that a consumer and a brand and a publisher can have. And at any point, if the consumer feels that they are not getting the value that they wanted out of that brand or publisher, they can end the contract by hitting the, the, the unsubscribe button, right? So I, 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 I firmly believe that. I also believe too, to your point about building up a first party data strategy, to your point about building up uh, a great subscriber database, that is a great way for publishers and brands to really control their own destiny moving forward, right? So it's, it's less about controlling the data, but more about providing a service that, you know, your consumers want to consume on a, on a regular basis and by doing so, controlling your own destiny in the future. Yeah, and not relying on what YouTube or Facebook or Google are going to do in the future. And they might be like, well, we're not going to show these anymore. Try, try to get some organic Facebook uh, recognition right now. Try to get anybody yeah. to see your post <laughs> in the organic Facebook world. It doesn't exist. If you don't right. pay, nobody sees it. So, Again, those are things that have been happening over time. So owning your audience and investing in email marketing is definitely 
uh, one of the priorities for marketers out there. That makes total sense. So let's let's go back a little bit to your brand affinity marketing efforts and how you've been using this. First of all, on on the live intent side of things, and also on on your podcast. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast. How did that start? Tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how you've been helping these communities uh, get some recognition out there. Yeah, so the, the way the podcast started was really Eric, uh, my co-founder and co-host on the podcast, he called me up one, one evening and he said, listen, man, I, you know, you and I have both discussed this in the past, discussed sort of, you know, our frustrations with going to conferences and maybe being the only two men of color there or very few men of color. And then on top of that, uh, seeing even less of us on on stage at these events, and and I want to I want to change that. And so the idea was let's create a platform where we can start to highlight people from underrepresented groups. And he asked me what I thought of the idea, and I told him I I, I, I love the idea. And he said, "Great, do you want to uh, co-host it with me?" Absolutely, absolutely. And literally after maybe one or two more conversations, we came up with. Minority Report podcast. Um, we felt that at the time, and still believe this today, that uh, podcasting is the, is the best way to 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 get this content out there and distribute it. Um, like I said, we started uh, three years ago. Uh, it's been an awesome journey. We just recorded our 85th episode earlier this week, and um, what's two things I think have been really cool uh, about uh, the journey of the podcast. One is when we interview someone that maybe we've known for a long time in the space, we learn something new about the person, right? Because so much of the space is, you know, the person that you know from nine to five, the business side, right? And, and like I said earlier, we're really sort of getting into understanding who the real person is. And so learning news about someone that I, I've known for a long time, it's been super important. And then the flip side of that is because of how the podcast has grown in popularity, um, the new people that I don't know personally that are on the show and just sort of expanding our network and bringing new people on the show and learning about them uh, has been awesome as well, too. And, you know, at the end of the day, our, our end goal is to try to create one of the largest catalogs of content of underrepresented leaders in business, media and technology and put it out there for the world. And because Part of the, you know, when Eric and I were coming up in the industry, we didn't have many people that look like us that we could uh, reference, right? And so that's what we want to do with this catalog is provide a reference point for really anyone out there. That's a great mission, and I really appreciate you putting the work. And I know we need people like you that will put it out there. And, and what we can do is to amplify that as much as possible. We'll share it right here. We'll put it on the blog, <laughs> and we'll share it on social media, and we'll make sure that we continue to... Um, to support these kind of efforts to get more people represented. And, you know, I have four kids and they all, you know, we all look different and we all have different things and you, you never know what your kids are going to do in their life. But definitely right. um, one of the things that we have been talking for years is representation is so important. So if you're yes. either LGBT or you're not that, you know, again, in the, in the software world is like, the white dude is everywhere, right? So how about we represent everybody? How about we bring right. people of color? How about we bring people from all over the world and immigrants and, you know, LGBT community and more women? Hello, right? Like right. It, it's right. it's such an important thing. Um, we, had a, we had a great episode with Katie Burke from HopSpot. She runs all mm -hmm. their 
uh, diversity um, uh, programs, and she was talking about how important it is not just talking about this as a hiring situation, which is very important to make yes. it a priority, but also it could be all the other aspects. Podcasts, bring everybody to the podcast, not the same five people over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're reading books, you're recommending books, recommend books written by all kinds of people, right? Like every single little thing could be something that makes it different. And, and, right. and we, we really appreciate you being here and you doing the Minority Report. Please check the, the podcast, guys, and uh, we'll definitely share it everywhere. So let's talk about a little bit about your other efforts. You know, you're running some, some video series. You started working on these video series as webinars uh, for Live Intense. So tell us a little bit about that journey. I think that's very interesting that you took the approach of making webinars, which is, it makes sense because again, pandemic, you need yeah. to take events into webinars. So why don't we take that into a video series? Tell us a little bit of that journey. I think it's very fascinating that you went through the whole process there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the beginning of, of 2020. Right. And, and I think coming into the year, uh, companies, marketers, everyone had plans for the year. And obviously, uh, COVID and uh, moving to a work from home situation threw all those plans up in the air, right? And so for us at Live Intent, we, we sat down and, and we said to ourselves, okay, we're not going to in-person events uh, this year, or at least for the foreseeable future at the time. That was our thinking. In-person events are one of our, our greatest uh, revenue generators from a marketing perspective, one of our greatest ways to get return on our investment, right? So how, how are we going to replace that? Because at the end of the day, uh, from a marketing perspective, regardless of whether pandemic or not, I still had goals that I had to, had to accomplish, right? Our team still had work that, that needed to be done. And so we, we immediately thought of let's start a weekly webinar series and really use that webinar series to invite a thought leader in uh, from the space to talk about uh, a topic that's most relevant for, for marketers and, and publishers, you know, anything from programmatic to identity to, you know, attribution and measure, measurement, so on and so forth. But we could also use the podcast as a way to, again, stay top of mind for, uh, to our, our customers and prospects during uh, the work from home situation, and also to use it as, as ways of, of educating the marketplace. And so, uh, after a few more conversations and planning, we came up with what we call RTB, which stands for real-time banter. Uh, that was our, our, the name for our weekly webinar series and, and still is today. And we started that really right around the same time last year, so probably about a year ago. Started off as, as like I said, a weekly webinar series every Friday and just having some lighthearted conversations, again, about topics that publishers and, and marketers and brands really care about. Um, as we got closer into the summer months and we started to see Z Zoom fatigue set in and people maybe not attending webinars as much and, and, and maybe not engaging as much, we cut back a little bit and we went to, you know, a schedule of every other week, right? And then, you know, after, uh, once we got through uh, 2020, we sort of sat down at the end of the year look back at all the episodes that we produced. I think we ended up producing somewhere around 15 episodes or so and decided, okay, going into 2021, again, work from home situation, not going to be in person. 
We know that um, we're going to double down on sort of our content strategy and content marketing because it's going to be key to us for what we want to do from a marketing perspective. Where does real-time banter fit into that? And what we've decided to do this year is change the format to a monthly schedule, but do pre-recorded episodes instead of live episodes. And what this is giving us the ability to do is really plan out the topics a bit more with the guest and go a level or two deeper into the conversations where then we can break up uh, the conversations into specific segments that are covering specific topics, right? So it's still helping us accomplish the, the uh, brand awareness that we want in the marketplace and being seen as a thought leader and an educator. It's still helping us uh, bring in thought leaders to have these conversations with, right? So expanding our, our live intent network. And then at the same time, it's allowing us to produce um, uh, additional pieces of content off of the video, which again, we can use to you know, post a video on our blog, you know, on our social channels, on YouTube, distributed through our email channels, so on and so forth. That's great, that's great. So you guys use Wistia and Wistia channels for this, right? Yes. That's yes. awesome. So yeah. uh, my next question is usually the same one for everybody. How do you measure success on these video marketing, brand affinity, podcast efforts? I know there are de many different layers of, you know, tracking that you can do on a podcast level. You have listens or actually downloads, which makes absolutely no sense, but that's okay. It's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's what they still call them. But then you have the video side of things. Tell me a little bit about your strategy, how you measure success, how you make decisions. You, you've, you just talked to that about your journey, you started with webinars, yeah. turning into video series and weekly, and then we went to bi-monthly, and now we're doing pre-recorded. How do you make those decisions? Is that a part of that decision-making process? Yeah, so I don't think there's one specific metric or one specific item that we use to make those decisions. It's looking at um, a number of different things. So again, going from weekly to bi-weekly, right? We looked at sort of the drop-off in not registrations, but attendance of the actual live sessions, right? And, and so that was a metric that, that we used, right? As we got deeper into the year and looked at, again, the, the overall body of work in, in 2020, I think what, what ranked high for us in terms of going from uh, bi-weekly to monthly and then pre-recorded versus the live is, again, there's still there's a lot of competition that's out there right now for live webinars, uh, Zoom, and 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 again, I, I still think the Zoom fatigue is is very real, right? And and so and and I think about my own way of attending live sessions. I rarely attend live sessions. What I will do though is if there's content that I'm interested in, I will register for it, get the video afterwards, and then watch it on my own time, right? And I got to imagine a lot of people are doing that. So if that's the case, why even, why even spend resources and energy trying to pull off a live event and market it up front when you can take your time, do it right, go a level or two deeper, have additional pieces of content, and then put it out in the marketplace. So it, it, it was a switch from you know, market, utilizing marketing resources up front to get people in versus now, you know, utilizing those marketing resources more on the back end to push the, the, the content out. And so I, I think that was part of the decision. Obviously, we, we also look at plays. 
Um, I think we, we also, not I think, I know we also look at um, you know, our SEO strategy as well too. Again, being able to take a long form video and chop it up into different uh, pieces of content that have different titles and subject lines and, and, and additional written content helps from an SEO perspective as well too. So I think all those things actually go into the mix in deciding whether or not uh, uh, we want to pivot a strategy and what success looks like. I will also say, going back to one of your earlier questions about um, marketing in general, this is one of the reasons why I love marketing is that um, you know you you can you can test things. You you have to you have to pivot based on the data that you're getting back. You're not going to really know if something works until you try it out. And so I. I love that side of, of, of marketing as well, too. It's great that you mentioned that because the more we interview people that are doing it right, that are testing it out there, that are running, you know, video series and podcasts over years, the more we realize that there is no answer to how do you measure success. And nobody is saying, yeah, this video brought these two customers and these two videos brought $3 million. There is no way to connect the dots so directly because, yeah. and that is not a bad thing because at the end of the day, these brand affinity efforts, these video marketing efforts and podcast efforts are not just going to create leads and, you know, generate leads and close customers. Even though the more you analyze, the more you see that there is a correlation that people that watch video close at a higher rate, that people that watch video make more decisions and, before they made a decision, they usually watched the video. All those things are very fun to to actually evaluate. And the more you yeah. the, the more you use tools like Wistia or HubSpot, the more you can connect mm -hmm. the dots and understand how those things are affecting your lead generation and customer acquisition strategy. But this is so much more than that. There is a branding yeah. aspect to it. There is a brand affinity aspect and people spending time with your brand affects the way they buy or consume your content. So how do you guys think about that? Do you, do you, do you have an, 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 you know, do you intentionally think about the branding effect of these efforts? Oh, absolutely. And, and to your point, we think about it across multiple touch points, right, as well. So you're right. It's not just about what the real-time banter series can drive in terms of leads. You have to look at your marketing strategy holistically. You have to look at search, right? You have to look at paid and organic. You have to look at social. You have to look at paid and organic. You have to look at the events that you're doing, whether it's virtual or, or in-person. And on top of that, additional speaking opportunities that you may be able to get for certain people within your organization. You have to look at those things, right? Like you you have to you you have to put all those things together and look at your customers and prospects across those various touch points. Now, there are tools you can use to say, okay, um, you know, this this opportunity that closed, we understand that they were exposed to our ad in search. They 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 um, spoke to us at, a, at an event. They watched our video. They downloaded one of our eBooks. We certainly look at metrics like that because that's a way for us to determine, okay, which of these different touch points are, are more effective or which of these are diff different touch points we see more and more prospects coming through. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not just one thing. 
it, it's the it's the entire sort of plan from a marketing perspective uh, and looking at it holistically. Yeah, and and one interesting thing that we can keep seeing out there is that people that fail at these efforts or people that don't really do it right or or they stop doing it is usually because they're focusing too much in the short term return yes. of these efforts. Yeah. And they're not seeing these efforts as a long-term effort, and they're not seeing that consistency is the key to all these things. The, yeah. the journey you just uh, talked about is teaching, again, once more, everybody that things will evolve. We get better at these things. We get better at introducing and, and interviewing people. We get better at talking and bringing new points to the conversation. We get better at video. We get better at the sound part of it. Like you get continuously get better at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then your audience teaches you what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong by engaging or not with this or that piece of content. So then you can go back and learn from that. Like you guys did into, you know, from webinars every week from webinars like it to now pre-recorded every month. And, and I, I see that journey happening with everybody. Everybody that has been doing it for, for many years has been evolving and changing and learning over the years. And the success doesn't come from knowing from the first second that you started what to do, but actually doing it. Yeah, consistently. Yeah. I, I will also say, though, to your point, right, about the, the long term journey of, of marketing. Right. I, I think that um, I think that that is, at least for me, that's part of the challenge, but also the excitement of marketing. Right. Because, yes, we, we set out every year with with annual goals and things that we want to achieve as a marketing team. But in order to get to, you know, what we want to achieve at the end of the year, there has to be certain milestones throughout the year that get us there, right? And so there is that balance of the long-term vision, where we want to go, making sure our messaging and our brand is consistent over the long haul so that we don't confuse people in the marketplace. But at the same time, making sure that we're doing the marketing operations and doing the things we need to do day to day to, to, to hit those, not only the milestones, but then your, your long-term goals as well too. Yeah, this is great. And thank you for sharing all these things about your journey. Anything else you want to share about these experiences with long-term video and SEO and, and podcast efforts? I, I would say to any, any marketer out there, my, my advice would be again, uh, you know, make sure your messaging is consistent over over the long haul, because if you are constantly pivoting or changing, you're going to do more damage than good. You're just going to confuse the marketplace. So consistency. Uh, yes, uh, evolving and testing out different types of platforms and different strategies, but make sure that the message uh, continues to be consistent over the long haul. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any other brands that you've seen out there doing this, uh, doing this effectively? Any any other brands that you really like or that you follow them on podcasts or video series out there? Yeah, yeah. So there's one in particular called uh, Bevel, which is a a grooming company for for people of color, That's right? Awesome. So I use their I use their shaving kits and their razors. I, I use uh, some of their other skin products as well too. I think that they do an awesome job at uh, at their brand. I think they do an awesome job at uh, investing in content as well too to keep people engaged. 
uh, with the brand. So they, they are someone that, that uh, is top of mind for me. That's great. That's great. Now, as, as you know, we want to continue to explore diversity and inclusion in our show. So anybody that you recommend that people should listen to any podcast out there other than the Minority Report, of course, and we'll share all of that. Anybody else that needs to be showcased and needs more attention? Yeah, so there is a podcast out there by um, a lady. Her name is uh, Janice Gassam, and her podcast, I believe, is called uh, Dirty Diversity. So she's a diversity and inclusion consultant. I would uh, highly recommend uh, uh, checking that out. That's a good one. Uh, uh, CMO Moves is another good podcast that I love to listen to as well, too. That That's a good one. Uh, in terms of, of uh, sort of um, other sort of thought leaders in the space, uh, Stephanie Gino, who is the senior vice president of marketing over at Innovid, I, I think uh, she is awesome to follow. Uh, I would recommend you having her as a guest on That's the awesome. podcast here. Uh, she, she would be awesome. She and I connect um, on a regular basis just to exchange uh, marketing notes and and to to support each other. That's great. That's great. Anybody you know that wants to follow, uh, we'll of course put all the links. But where can people find your content out there? Yeah. So I would say first and foremost, uh, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn uh, if you're interested in learning more specifically about uh, live intent and how we can help you with your marketing or monetization. Uh, uh, needs, you can check us out at liveintent.com or just email me directly. That's fine too at kcooper at liveintent.com. And for Minority Report Podcast, uh, minorityreportpodcast.com. And you can check out any of the, the episodes that we have live. That's awesome. Thank you, Corel, for being here today and for doing everything you're doing and for giving a space for all these voices to to be heard and 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 give them give them a chance to uh, spread the word and we will do our part. We'll do as much as we can to do that and continue to help. And of course, anything we can do on our end that we can do for, to help your, your, uh, your mission, I'll be more than happy to help too. Anything else you want to share with us? This is your moment, whatever it is that you want to <laughs> promote. It's, it's your time. No, I mean, I, I think that covers it. You know, definitely check us out at Live Intent for your marketing needs. And uh, if you want to learn more about uh, Minority Report Podcast, hit up the website. Thank you, Corel, and uh, stay safe, okay? Take care. All right, thank you, Gabriel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MarTech Masters. Make sure to visit our website at nextdinnymarketing.com to watch the series or subscribe to our podcast to be the first to check out our newest episodes. If you enjoyed our content, please leave us a review or rate our show on your podcast app. 